our God has planned more than we could think, ask for, or even imagine. When He calls you, how will you respond? When He leads you, will you follow? When He sends you, will you go? All right, well, good morning, North Shore. That's not bad. How are you doing? Good. Are you still kind of landing from Thanksgiving a little bit? Good. How many of you have turkey sandwiches waiting for you this afternoon? Uh, I don't know if it's age or what for me, but I do believe I look more forward to the turkey sandwiches days after than I do the turkey. Is that an age thing or is that any young people? Is that just me? Uh, well, I pray that you had an amazing Thanksgiving Day. Uh, I know there's many people still traveling, uh, and so I know ours was incredible. We went out to uh, Lake Chelan because we have family on the east side, and so we all converge in Lake Chelan, rent a house, and all get together, which is always interesting, spending you know, a near a week with a family members you don't spend that much time with, and that's a whole other sermon I'll preach later on, and I'm still working on that one. <laughs> Uh, but it was incredible. We got a call during that time from our youngest daughter who lives in Australia, is married in Australia, and she's pregnant. Well, we got a call. They're on their way to the hospital, okay? So this is her first child, so we're excited. So, um, you know, and it's a, a whole spectrum of emotions, great excitement. Um, she's our, our youngest, and um, I see kids in here, and i got to be careful, but here's just, the youngest, aren't they just a little extra spoiled? Is that just a universal truth? Yeah, I think so, right? So we just dote on her and protect her, and so, you know, sad that she might be in pain, even though this is a natural thing. Um, but then, of course, we feel that distance, right? Because she FaceTimes us, she's in the hospital there, and it's her first child, and it's going slow. And uh, just for your information, she lives three hours out of town, you know, her husband is a cattle rancher, and so they're in this amazing place they live, but it's three hours from town, uh, and so she's just, they have her waiting in the hospital through that slow process of labor, so uh, we'll get a call, and remember, they're almost flipped, so, you know, basically two o'clock in the morning, it's two o'clock in the afternoon, so guess when she wants to call, right, you with us? So pray for our family, uh, pray for Stephanie, our daughter, her husband, Jamie, this new baby on the way, and would you give a, an extra prayer for my wife, Sandy, because her mama's heart, oh man, it's hard for me to watch that, uh, I love her, and, uh, uh, but it's amazing, so we're waiting, we are waiting. Um, if you need a Bible, shoot your hand up, um, and the ushers will get a Bible to you. We are uh, finishing off Jonah today. We're going to be in Jonah chapter 4. So if you get a Bible, turn to Jonah 4. And just remember, we call this series Further Than You Think. And the goal, as I was reading this text months ago, God just gave me new eyes uh, looking at you know, our world around us and, and just say, boy, look at Jonah. God is doing something incredible here. He is calling Jonah further than he thinks. Uh, and I looked at our world and said, boy, we are being called further than we think. It is an incredible, challenging time. And I thought this book of Jonah was fitting for us during this time. Remember, Jonah 
was the first Jewish prophet called out of Israel to the Gentiles, to the place of Nineveh. God was calling him further than he thought. And the Jonah ran much further than we thought, right? He was going to, uh, got in a ship when God said, go call out Nineveh. He said, no way, I'm not going there. I'm going to go the opposite direction. And went further than you think when he went to Tarshish. And God got his attention through a storm. Remember that God chased him further than he thought. Ultimately, Jonah went to the ocean. God provided a great fish for him. God's amazing grace was with him, chased him further than he would have ever thought. Restored him right back on track. And Jonah went into Nineveh, chapter 3, and he shared his message, what God had to say. And they repented. Mark gave the message last week on that, on God's justice, and had a look at it. It was an amazing message. Make sure you look at it. But that takes us to today, Jonah chapter 4. And I want to pray for him. We're going to look at God is going to end this book uh, in a, what we call a mic drop moment. I'll describe that in a second. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. As we go to your word, I do pray you'd speak to each one of us where we're at. We love you. We want only what you want. So we offer our heart, our mind, our hands, our feet. Have your way with us, Father. Teach us today. Make our hearts soft and pliable to your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So a mic drop moment. What is that? Okay. Uh, it, it's kind of a catchphrase. And it, it, what it is, is, is at the end of a speech, when someone gives their last line, and it's so powerful, there is nothing left to be said. Uh, basically, the speaker in turn drops a mic. Don't need to say anything else. Now, the sound people back there, do not worry. I will not drop the mic. They say, don't drop the mic. Do not drop the mic, okay? I won't. These things are very, very expensive, okay? Um, and so, but that's where the phrase mic drop comes for. And we've all kind of experienced it, whether you know it or not. Think of some of the great historical speeches. Chief Joseph in his famed uh, uh, surrender. He says this in the last line, I will fight no more forever. And it really set the tone and the heart and the heartbreak uh, in American history during the Indian Wars. Abraham Lincoln, you know, he wasn't even a keynote speaker, goes up to Gettysburg and they're having a memorial service for a great battle, a real pivotal battle during the Civil War. And so he gets up, you know, you know, again, not the guest speaker, says this short speech that forever stamped who we are as a country. I don't want to get this one wrong. Here's how he ends the speech. That this nation, under God, shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. And it became the rally cry for all America, even today. We live in a government it's by the people and for the people. And we are steadfast. It will last forever, right? It's just Abraham Lincoln nailed it there. World War II, Winston Churchill, remember this one. Uh, England and France have to actually retreat, running from the German offensive that has taken all over Europe. It really looks like it's over. Nazi Germany will rule the world. They retreat, 
and Churchill goes, and, he, and he's one of the greatest speech givers ever. He goes and he gives that one. We will never surrender speech. Remember that? We will fight in the fields. We will fight in the streets. We will fight on the beaches. We will never surrender, he says to the parliament. And it became a rallying cry that started the European offensive. And then not soon after, America joined, and the war was ultimately won. But it's that speech we remember that we will never surrender, he says. We've had these great speeches. Martin Luther King, great mic drop moment. The I Have a Dream speech in Washington, D.C., 1963. And what I love about this, his mic drop moment was ad 